Welcome everyone to the In Focus podcast, where we talk with business leaders, thinkers and innovators about data, how to simplify, unpack and make people feel good about data. This podcast is created by the team at Focus Analytics and Financial Budgeting and Planning with the aim of introducing you to people within the Focus community who have a story to tell. Today's guest is Harvey Lewis, the Managing Director of Caprice, who oversees operations in Australia and China, supplying hundreds of products to retailers across the country. If you're buying bedsheets, towels, fabric or underwear in Australia, it's likely one of Caprice's brands. He takes us on a fabulous journey of how Caprice has evolved and adapted to meet ongoing market expectations. Welcome, Harvey. Your father-in-law, Saul, set up Caprice in 1959. Now you're the managing director. Can you give us a snapshot of what Caprice was like then and now? Caprice started out as a manufacturing business in Moorabbin in Victoria. We're now today a, a wholesaler. Uh, we're producing ranges across a whole spectrum of textiles, uh, whether it now be the window furnishings, top of bed, toweling, uh, footwear, luggage, uh, apparel. Uh, we're now also expanding into pet, laundry and storage. So the business is still developing and growing and changing. So that's who we are. So Caprice today has a team of 36 designers. So everything we sell and market has been designed internally by the Caprice team. We're not copying anybody else's ideas. Everything that we put to market has been designed and developed within this environment here in, in South Melbourne. But we've also, over the last uh, five years, developed our own uh, office in China. So we currently have 82 people in Wuxi. Wuxi is a town. It's um, about 160 kilometres northwest of Shanghai. So there's 82 people there now which are supporting us with uh, production factory sourcing, uh, ethical sourcing, uh, QA, QC. And we now developed in China... I think currently we've got about nine designers in the Chinese office that are also aiding the team down here. So quite a different model to what it was in 1959 where everything we sold, we produced. So in 2021, 2022, everything we sell, we do create the design element, but we're actually not producing it. We work with a lot of family businesses at Focus Tell us about the responsibility of taking on someone else's vision, taking charge of a family business. Is it like adopting someone's child? I, I, yeah, it, it probably is. Um, I've, I've never really thought about it too, too much because it's been a progression of time and roles. Um, I entered the business as a young kid with really no experience within textiles, uh, worked in our warehouse, worked in the factory, learned on the machines and then into the sales office and sales manager and I installed the computer system. Um, so the business is, is in your lifeblood. It, it really does become an extension of your being and because it is a, a family business, it's quite unique or different to um, public companies. Everybody here is part of the family. So everybody that works here is a family member and everybody that 
contributes to the growth of the business, uh, understands what they're contributing and is recognised for their individual uh, worth and well-being. It's very important to us to be um, open and communicative with the team. Um, I sit in an office here, which actually is not an office, it's part of the open plan, so there's no doors, there's no barriers. Um, so family business, I think, is slightly different um, because I've done it all my life. I probably don't know any different, but from the people that have, we've brought in over the journey, um, the constant uh, theme is why did we work somewhere else? We didn't know this type of environment existed. People are enjoying it and maybe there's a, a shift back to that family business. They they want that in this crazy world we live in these days, yeah, I, family values. Yeah, I think people do. People like to be respected. Um, it's it, it's forgotten in the world today. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now tell me, you, you said you ran through a few things that you've done in the 42 years, sales director. I think yeah. you wore the... Chief Information Officer, did you say? I you did, put it I in, did in, yes. In the I IT them. system. So, yes. you know, these diverse experience. So, what yeah, did look, you learn it, from it, that? It, it really changed a lot as our relationship with the retailers grew. Um, Caprice is, as a brand has a very good high, repu- very high reputation with the retail market. Um, we have good relationships with, you know, Kmart, Target, Meyer, David Jones, all, all of the big brands, Spotlight. Um because we have been part of the journey with them. And I think, um, and this pandemic, you know, we'll keep probably throwing that up through this discussion, has highlighted, um, you know, the, the, the word today is pivoting. Um, we probably didn't know what pivoting was, you know, 15 years ago. Caprice has been constantly doing that. When retail came to us and said, you know, um, you, you supply us direct out of uh, out of your warehouse in Melbourne, we'd like to buy stock directly out of your sources in China. Uh, a lot of wholesalers said, no, we're not going down that path. We're not interested. And we said, sure, no problem. So we've been prepared to work in conjunction and harmony with our retail business partners. Um, and along that journey, we've also been prepared to say that we've got a good brand name, we've got a good distribution network, we've got some intelligent software that we use, that we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves that we're only doing window furnishings. We then went down, down this diversification path, which is still happening where we went from, you know, window furnishings to adding bed linen, from bed linen to licensed products, from licensed product to a totally left field. We went into the shoe business. So we're, we're actually the largest importer of shoes uh, into the Australian marketplace. Um, we then went into towels. We went into backpacks and rolling luggage. Uh, we purchased an apparel business. So we're, the, the, I think, the largest supplier of children's licensed clothing into the Australian and New Zealand marketplace. We've just recently gone into pets and storage in conjunction with a retail partner who's come to us and said, you know, we'd like to work with you and can you assist us by moving into categories that you actually never even been in? And our answer is always yes. Right. I'm interested in this diversification model because you know how it sort of goes in and out of fashion 
some people just say, you know, you stick to your your knitting, stick to yeah. your, the the market that you know. So diversification has worked for you because you're big enough, or because you're agile enough to be able to. Or I, I think we tick the box in all of those, you know, without wanting to sound too confident. Um, we are big enough to handle it. Um, we are diversified enough with the teams of people to be able to, to handle it. Uh, but I think the other thing that we've done, which is you know a very important part of, the, of this discussion today, um, the IT part of our business, the uh, the investment in infrastructure of software and and tools to assist the team has been pivotal of being able to grow the business and and manage inventory. Now, stock obviously for us is a huge investment. We've got um, forty thousand square meters of warehousing in Dandenong, stacked nine high, which is full of stock. I could do there's many, many millions of dollars worth of merchandise sitting in Dandenong. Um, so if you get that wrong, um, you can very quickly um, have a have a number of problems. So for us, it's been the willingness to look at the diversification model, but making sure that we had, well, I think, A, the right people for each of those areas that we diversified into, but making sure we also had and have the systems to make life um, easier and to give us accurate information to be able to function and report back correctly as to what's happening. I always love to dig into the the data, Harvey. And um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you know what's going on in your business, you're able to take bigger risks, aren't you? So you can yeah. diversify if you know what your cash conversion cycle is for your yes. inventory portfolio. You yes. know whether the bank's going to lend you any more money. So, but tell me, I mean, Focus has been going for twenty years. I think you've been with us for at least 10 of those. So you were really more, were maybe more, more 15. More yeah. 15, yeah. We yeah. were yeah, a foundational we client, yeah. We would have been an early um, developer of, um, you know, BI. Oh, BI. Yeah. So, yeah, so so tell me about that. How did you decide that data analytics and understanding your data was right for the business and what, how has it helped? I mean, you just talked about, and, and, you know, I'd be interested to see what you do measure. People would be interested. What's the most important thing for you guys? Probably at the, at the time of um, deciding that the business needed a business intelligence tool, I don't think even I was aware of the ramifications of going down that path and, and nor what the end outcome would be of setting up a BI tool. As the business grew, yeah, it became so vital that all the numbers made sense. It's the only way you can really keep your head above water. So over the journey, we've added more and more and more information to Focus. Um, so Focus today is, to a large extent, even taken over from our ERP system. So we're all using Focus as our our platform for information, our inventory is in it, our orders are in it, our debtors are in it. And so we're sucking data out of ERP on, on a nightly basis. And that's giving us all the answers that we need to have uh, instantly. 
on margin, on inventory, on customers, on suppliers. Uh, it's really made life particularly easy. How does your data make you feel these days? Is that, do you feel like you could say I'm, I'm on top of it? I any point in time, I know how my business is performing. You- it, it, it's again interesting. Yeah, you do. If you have the uh, the wherewithal, the confidence to accept the data, and you've got it, obviously you've got it all set up correctly, which God, I hope we have. But we do. Um, it's actually quite interesting because I can actually now quiz my. Um, 13 general managers that we've got here on, on product, on margin, on stock and inventory. And whilst they all have access to the same information, I can quiz them on it and they all go, you know, how does he know that? Why is it, you know, why didn't I know that? And and look, they're in their own world, they're selling, they're doing. So it, it's great to have that analytical tool which allows you to delve into whatever area you want to do. And that's what focus gives us. One more question about your data. Is there something that you've, have you made a a good decision because of the results you've seen there? Something that you perhaps in your gut didn't tell you that was right, but then the the data actually helped um, change your mind or set you in the the right path? You know, without doubt, data is king and, and information is, is the most important thing you can have to drive your business today. So focus does enable us to ensure that our inventory management, and that's probably one of the biggest areas of this business, uh, again, because I'm sitting on millions of dollars worth of stock uh, in our distribution centre. So focus combined with um, sales data from our retail partners enables us to do the inventory planning to ensure that, A, we've placed the right commitments with our resources, our vendors overseas, and to ensure that we are holding the right number of weeks stocked domestically to meet the demand that we believe is going to be there. So, yeah, it's ensured that we are running are running a profitable business. Yeah, great. Can you explain to me a little bit about how you effectively manage your inventory or they even call it vendor manage, vendor-managed inventory? Can you explain yeah, that they, to people they, and how that yeah. works? You know, um, uh, pivot was the buzzword now, VMI, and everyone loves these acronyms. I I personally don't like them because I get quite confused at my age. But VMI, Vendor Managed Inventory, is the the buzz at the moment. So how does this work? This is then a relationship between retailer and supplier, wholesaler, to work together with shared data. So we're now getting from our retail business partners on a uh, some on a daily basis, but definitely everybody on a weekly basis, their, their inventory stocks on hand, their sales through the register, right down to individual store level. So and, and including their master data, so their prices, their barcodes, uh, their retails, all this data is now sent to us, which we are now putting all into focus. So our focus database is a blend of 
our data, so our knowledge of the ranges that they're running, the price points, the purchasing rate by SKU that they've been uh, consuming from us in conjunction with the data of actual sales through the register by SKU by individual store. So one of the great things about this shared data model is the volume of information that we're actually getting from the retailer and getting us down to that granular level of sales by SKU, SKU, by individual store. And one needs to then consider you're talking about a high volume of doors, individual stores, Kmart 350 stores, Target 126 stores, Spotlight 130 stores, and, and so it goes on. And then it becomes important to be able to determine the sales are regular sales, people just coming in to buy, their sales because of promotion catalogue, their sales because of seasonality or you had a wet weather weekend, so gumboot sales went up and you weren't expecting it. So you've got to be able to um, also look at the anomalies that change or alter the impact of the data. Basically, at the click of a button, generate a report by... Uh, retailer sub-departments, so it could be Target and it could be their Target shoes or Target window furnishings or Target bed linen by any of their sub-departments. And we could generate a report to send to the Target planning team of what they should be ordering from us this week based upon their sales, their current stock on hand, our stock on hand and the blend of is it was it a promotional? Was there a catalog? Was there a discount? Was there weather? Um, some change this year against last year. We are doing comparisons year on year, and to generate what we believe they should be ordering for this week, and also taking into account the number of days to pick the order, the number of days to send it to their individual DC. So we might be sending you a DC in Western Australia. So you're going to add five days and then that DC is going to sort it and they're going to send it to the store. So all of these variables are taken into the calculations by focus, all done by mirrors, smoke and mirrors, all done by focus to work out what the number that store should actually get. I'm just loving the sound of this efficiency, Harvey. and. Are you in a position to see that impact yet? Like, have you actually yes, yes. better stock so, management? Is it happening? I, I, I don't know that mine is better yet. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll get there. But we are definitely seeing at the retail end that their inventory management is uh, substantially improved. You know, all of us in the world, we, we all go into shops and we we find empty shelves, you know, how come they don't have white queen bed sheets? Everybody's got a queen bed and everybody's buying white sheets. How could a store be out of them? And this type of model will mean that a store won't experience that type of situation because it's all the factors are being taken into account uh, by somebody independent from the retailer. And I bet they're loving it, are they? They, they are loving it because uh, not only does it improve their, their stock terms, uh, they've actually uh, handballed all the work to somebody else, so we're doing all the work for them. 
Um, but most of the work is being done by focus, and even to the extent now where um, electronically focus is sending the suggested order into the target um, EDI system, it gets processed through their machinations of, of their system and comes back to us the following day as, a, as an official PO. Ah, terrific, Seamless. yeah. Seamless. I mean, it has to be, you know, less cost to, sh to serve, surely, if you sure. know that the yeah. Bondi store needs the white sheets. Well, yeah. that's where they go. Correct. Then, no, know. look, for, I think for everybody, for the retailer, well, the consumer is the highest level because we need to have them satisfied. That's the most important thing in, in, in our world that the consumer can actually find the stock they want and purchase it. The retailer has got it. We can then manage our inventory accordingly because we've also now got so much more data from the retailer in relation to their actual rate of sale that we can put into our model, again, which Focus handles to work with our suppliers as to what we should be forward ordering. So, yeah, I think it's um, a, another pivot into the world of being a wholesaler and it's going to be, from what I'm already seeing, exceptionally successful. Great. And are you, again, a bit of an early adopter in this sort of reverse purchase order management or is that sort of becoming the norm, do you think? It, it, no, it, it's, it's new. Okay. Um, we've got one retailer out there that, that's very uh, keen on um, progressing this. So we've started only one department. We're now expanding in, into more parts of their business because um, it is working. Um, they were a bit dubious about it, um, the information flow and the accuracy and the ease of use. Um, we're now getting feedback from uh, the retail uh, planners and buyers that, boy, this focus is great, this is clear, this is easy, we love this, it's going to be great. As a supplier who relies on overseas production, can you elaborate just a little bit of what you've had to deal with and how you've coped in the last couple of years? Yes, COVID and the international supply chain has been a disaster. It has thrown up um, experiences that we never thought were possible and would probably be um, beyond all our comprehension. Simplistic things, simplistic. Uh, a container, a container, a 40-foot container, Two years ago was $2,000 US to bring it from China to Australia. Today, it's hitting $11,000. The container's no bigger and it doesn't contain any more goods. It doesn't get in here any faster, but it's gone up nearly $9,000 in the last 18 months. Ignore the fact that the cost of the container has gone up $9,000. You actually cannot get a container. So even if you're prepared to pay this extortion that the shipping companies are working on at the moment, the other problem you have is finding containers that you can actually put your goods in to ship them. For us, to some degree, fortunately, because we're stockers, where we have a, a unique model where, you know, 1959 and uh, 
the training that was indoctrinated into me was you you can you cannot sell from an empty barrow. You've got to have stock to, to meet your customer. Again, we have a warehouse out here which which is full of stock. So we we probably sit on average four to five months worth of stock. Um, we've probably increased that over the last six to eight months where we could to go maybe to six to seven months to buffer us through this period so that we are meeting all of the retailer requirements. So that's had quite an impact on, on cash flow uh, for the business. But it has given us uh, the ability to meet our customer requirements. And again, for us, the customer's king. So we want to make sure that we can meet what they need. Relationships, you've mentioned that a lot. What What's your style when it comes to that and your approach uh, to, to managing yeah. relationships and tough well, conversations? Yeah, yeah, paramount. I don't think there's anything greater than good relationships with everybody. And that's probably which, again, was indoctrinated into me when I joined the business in, in, in 1979. Um, our relationship with all of our retail business partners is exceptionally strong and open and transparent. And the same with our vendors. Uh, we've gone out of our way to uh, not have a proliferation of vendors. We've tried to keep it as tight as we possibly can. Uh, we want to be as meaningful as we possibly can to our, our supply chain and not have a multitude of them supplying the one cup and, and not moving from one factory to another factory for a couple of cents. So we've done it a little bit differently, I think, than most people have. If you could give some advice to your younger self, what would you tell him? I do, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And it it's funny that you know, even in my social circle, uh, you know, because we're we're all getting a little bit older now. Um, a lot of people say, no, they wish they'd done this or they did this differently, or they they would have gone down a different different path. Um, my my answer is basically always the same. I don't think I would change anything. I'm really happy with what the the journey has been, where. We're, where we're at today, I'm excited even about what the future is going to be. And uh, again, talking about this man, my father-in-law, who was a very clear thinker, um, we're living for today, not for yesterday and, and not for tomorrow. We're living for today and we're going to enjoy the journey, and I do. Oh, good for you, Harvey. And one last little little pop quiz Pop I'm going quiz. to give you two words. You, you tell me what your preference is, okay? Yes. Numbers or graphs? Oh, definitely numbers. I hate graphs. Bullet chart or a pie graph? Definitely bullet. Egyptian cotton or silk sheets? Um, can I give you more than two words? Sure. It's, it's got to be Egyptian cotton because my, my mother-in-law bought my father-in-law silk sheets and they kept sliding off the bed and he used to have to go to bed and bite the sheet so it wouldn't slide off him. So it's got to be Egyptian cotton. <laughs> in, in person or online shopping? Uh, for me, in person. Skiing or surfing? I don't do either, but I'd go surfing. Daily or monthly reports? Uh, daily. Few or many people across the numbers? Definitely the less, the better. Waffle, waffle weave or quick dry towels? 
That's a really, really good question. Towels are a nightmare. Um, let's go with waffle weave because I don't think the quick dry towels really work. We'll go waffle. Waffle. Good waffle. to know. Thanks for a great discussion, Harvey Lewis. We trust you all enjoyed hearing about his colourful career and how data has helped his business take risks, manage change and do the best for customers. We include links to Caprice and Focus in the show notes. Feel free to share this In Focus podcast with your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Thank you.